We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, presented by the Armchair All-Americans. I'm your host, Chris Phillips. No Tyler Clark today, but we got a very special guest on, someone that is very fond of Gamecocks everywhere, someone that, you know, that I'm sure is in the, uh, the memories of Gamecock fans everywhere. Before we get to him, uh, be sure to go online. If you haven't done so yet, I don't know what you're doing, but make sure you go online, look up the Spurs Up Show, rate, subscribe, share, and download. We're everywhere from iTunes, the Stitcher app. Uh, wherever you consume your media or your podcast, we're there. So make sure to share the podcast, of course. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Armchair Car. That's going to be at Armchair S-C-A-R. Uh, and on Instagram at Armchair S Carolina. Uh, and this is a podcast, again, brought to you by the Armchair Americans. So make sure to go to armchairamericans.com for all of your localized sports coverage content uh, and all of our other sports coverage there as well. Uh, so like I mentioned, we have a very special guest on the show today, uh, someone we've been trying to get on the show for a while. Glad it finally worked out. Um, just kind of set the scene for you. He was 20-14, and 14, had a 20-14 record as a South Carolina starting quarterback uh, from 2008-2011, third all-time in passing yards at university with 7,597 yards uh, through 47 touchdowns over his career, ran for 777 yards and 16 touchdowns, and like I mentioned, is you know, one of the most well-known Gamecocks of all time, not just for what he did on the field, but uh, his charisma and his charismatic attitude off the field as well. Uh, so I'd like proud to introduce Stephen Garcia. Stephen, uh, again, like I said in the pre-show, appreciate you coming on. It's an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. Those, uh, you rattled those stats off pretty uh, pretty well, man. I, was, those are, it's, I miss those days, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had them written down here. I was like, man, I forgot he was third and – you know, passing all time, but, you know, definitely in the Spurrier offense, you guys threw it around a lot. So, you know, not a, not too, too surprising. But, you know, we'll get into it again. I kind of want to go back to, you know, you're in high school, four-star recruit out of high school, uh, one of the top dual-threat dual quarterbacks in the country, um, part of a, you know, one of the top signing classes, I think, that Steve Spurrier ever signed at South Carolina and in South Carolina history in general. Um, simply put, just why South Carolina? I mean, I get that question uh, pretty often. And, you know, the main thing I was, I was getting recruited by Oklahoma and Ole Miss, Florida, and, you know, all these all these schools with a lot of rich history and um, tradition. And, you know, one of the things with Coach Spurrier was he's like, you know, you can go to those schools, you can uh, be part of their history, be part of their tradition, or you can come to South Carolina and Columbia where we don't really have a strong history, we don't have a strong tradition, and, you know, you can be kind of just start your own. And that was kind of like his big selling point. 
um, between that and him allowing me to keep my long hair and shave my beard, which obviously he was uh, not exactly truthful on that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's that, that's pretty much the, the main reason, man. I just wanted to be part of something uh, a little bit different. You know, that's my that's my personality, and that's you know, drive to be a little bit different and kind of create my own uh, my own path. Yeah, I was gonna say. I remember. I think it was two thousand nine. You can correct me if I'm wrong. When you had the buzz cut, and I'm not gonna lie, you looked uh, looked kind of weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it a little different for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely felt a lot weirder too, man. I mean, I we were, I was just at uh, like I told you, I was at Tap or Liberty Tap Room out here in Greenville, and uh, this the guy that I'm sitting, you know, having you know lunch with, uh, he pulls up this video of me with a freaking buzzed head and a shaved face. I'm like, I look like I'm freaking ten years old. I mean, it's just I look moronic. <laughs> Yeah, you got to look at a guy like uh, like Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if you've seen him, the guy going to Clemson. He's got like the long locks, looks like uh, sunshine from remember the Titans. It's got a, you know. Yeah, his he, he. I mean, I don't know about much of his talent level, but uh, his hair, man. He, if he's gonna have the long hair, he can't have it like a. That, that's kind of girly, in my opinion. It's too <laughs> it's too straight and like clean. It's he's got to have some some stuff going on with there, man. <laughs> yeah, he'll fit right in at Clemson though. We we won't get too much into that. <laughs> Um, so you were really big into uh, Greek mythology, kind of coming up, and I know I'm not sure. Are you still in? Uh, are you still kind of into that today? And what's kind of the story behind it? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I was uh, I was always into like you know ancient Rome and Greece and uh, the Egyptian, and just I'm just a big like history guy. Uh, you know, even Native Americans and just just stuff like that. And um, you know, I remember in high school I was watching the movie uh, Braveheart. And that's uh, between that and watching the movie Troy with uh, Brad Pitt as Achilles. And I was like, you know what, I, I'm going to grow my hair. These guys, these guys had some freaking, you know, they had some balls on them. These guys, were, they're, they're not afraid of anything. And that's, you know, that's kind of how I envisioned myself being and what I aspired to be like. So that's, that's kind of uh, what, uh, <laughs> what happened with me and all the, you know, the Greek philosophy and all that other stuff. That's awesome. Awesome. So kind of diving into your, you know, Gamecock career, you know, as a freshman, you obviously came in. Uh, split time with Chris Smelly. I was actually uh, at the Arkansas game in 2008 and literally remember you guys coming in and out literally every single offensive play. Um, talk about just, you know, how tough it was to split time your freshman year and not just splitting time, but, you know, splitting time, you know, in that type of way. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it was really hard to develop any kind of rhythm. And I heard you on a podcast, I think last week talking about how you even considered transferring because of you know, how, how Coach Spurrier was kind of going back and forth between you guys. Yeah, I was talking, uh, it was an old row um, podcast and, you know, we were talking about the uh, Jalen Hurts and two our 2-0 guy and, you know, with the Alabama, how we got pulled in the first, uh, after the first half. And, you know, like you, like you mentioned, man, Spurrier, we did that my redshirt freshman year in 2008. And it was me and Chris Smelly literally going in and out every single play. Uh, we ended up winning that game at home against Arkansas. Then we did it again the following week against uh, Florida in the in the swamp and got beat 56 to six. And that's when uh, I told coach Spurrier, I said, listen, man, either I'm going to be on the team starting like full time or, or I'm going to have to transfer. I mean, I can't do this, this in and out stuff, every single play. Number one, it's exhausting. Number two, we can't, you know, me or Chris, we couldn't get any sort of rhythm going. It's you, you can't build, you don't, you're not going to gain a, a receiver's trust. You're not going to gain. I mean, you got to smelly. Couldn't really run as well as I could. Um, you know, so the lineman had to block differently, and it was just, it just sucked, man. It just flat out sucked, um, <laughs> to be honest with you. So, the the whole thing of going in and out was an absolute waste of time. Uh, just terrible. I mean, it worked for him when he was in in Florida. He had like three quarterbacks doing that, and I don't know. It just, it just really sucked, and I'm glad that uh, that never happened again since 
since that Florida game. Right. So what was your relationship like with Chris Smelly? Did you guys kind of feel the same on that? Was it, did he have a different opinion on it or is that something y'all even talked about? No, I mean, we have a great relationship, you know, it, uh, you know, it was very unfortunate that, you know, he had a, that he wanted to leave and play baseball at Alabama. Um, you know, we were good friends. We still are good friends. I talked to him and uh, his wife, Josie all the time. And, uh, they're really, really, really good people. I mean, you know, say what you want about him on the field, but he's a, he's a, he's a damn good dude. And, you know, we have a very good relationship and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just unfortunate the way it played out. Uh, you know, it's, it's Spurs not an easy guy to play for. There's uh there's no question about that. Absolutely. So like you mentioned, uh, Chris Smelly did transfer to Alabama, went to play baseball. Uh, and you basically told coach Spur, you know, listen, I'm either your guy or I'm out. After that season when he transferred, coming into 2009, did he kind of tell you, like, hey, you're the guy, or did he keep it as, as an open competition and, you know, make you guys compete for the job? Or did he kind of give you that nod, like, hey, you're going to be the guy? Well, I'll never forget. I was at the uh, – I was down on uh, on break uh, down in uh, Boca Grande, Florida, on a little vacation, and um, I got a call from Coach Mangus, and he's like, hey, Steven, it's Coach Mangus. Um, you know, just to let you know that Coach Spurrier brought me on, I'm going to be here co-offensive coordinator and quarterback coach and you know he also told me that you have been contemplating transferring um i just want to let you know that if you do that i will find you and i will wring your neck i want you to stay here i want you to be part of uh Gamecock, you know the team and um you know these, he's giving you the keys to the car so you know be ready to rock and roll when you get back you know flush out the transfer decisions out of your out of your head and let's get to work so after that phone call i was like all right man that's if if that's what if that's the deal then that I'm all in, and I'm, a, I'm my personality. I'm a, uh, I'm an all in type of guy. It's either all or nothing, and you know I'm a very loyal guy. And I remember telling Coach Spurrier after I got in trouble those first uh, couple times that first year, uh, he's like, you know, I suggest that you, if you know if you want to transfer, I will sign you off. You can go play at a different SEC school. I'm not going to hold you hostage. Uh, this and that. And I was like, I looked him square in the eye. I said, Coach Spurrier, I committed to you. I committed to this university, this city. I'm staying here for as long as possible. And you know, I wish it would have been uh, a little bit reciprocated with, uh, you know, old uh, Mr. Hyman, but unfortunately, uh, it did not. So that's also right. my fault. So there's, I don't really have anybody but to blame but myself. So it is what it is. Right, right. We're we're gonna get into that in a little bit. Don't worry. But 2009 <laughs> season was an interesting year. Um, you guys went seven and six. Um, had a huge home game win against Ole Miss that I was actually at. Um, beat Clemson also to finish off the season after kind of struggling in November against Tennessee and Florida, I believe. Um, yep. Talking about Clemson, though, you know, you went 2-0 and against them. Uh, pretty, conv- pretty convincing win both times, part of the five-game winning streak South Carolina had against those guys. But talk about, you know, was there anything specifically that you think made you successful, successful against Clemson specifically or, um, you know, anything that you did in particular different from other quarterbacks? And also just how much fun is it to beat your arch rival and especially at their house? Oh, it's the best. And it's, it's funny because I'm actually, uh, you know, I told you I was at Liberty. I'm actually getting ready to meet up with uh, Tosh Boyd here in a second, uh, wait for him to get here. So, um, you know, it's, it's awesome, man. You know, it's, it's, it's fun, you know, between the players. I mean, obviously there's some, some, some trash talking between us. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, it's, everybody knows the struggle that it, it takes to get to uh, this kind of program, you know, the D1, the struggle that it, that it you know, requires from us. But, um, you know, it, it's a good time. And, you know, I think what happened is, you know, just protecting the ball and letting the defense play well and, you know, making plays when I had to make them was, was really how you beat them. I mean, um, you know, obviously our recruiting classes were, were some of the best in South Carolina history. And we had a bunch of big-time name guys out there. And, you know, that definitely helps. But, uh, you know, it's like anything else, man. You protect the ball and you, your defense plays well and gets you a bunch of uh, possessions. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to beat that. You know, it's the Nick Saban. It's the Alabama way. 
uh, don't turn the ball over and, you know, let the defense play well and you, you'll have a chance at every, in every single game. So that's what it came down to, man. And uh, I'll tell you what, I love it. I'm going to let Taj know as soon as he gets here how much I loved it too. <laughs> yeah, He's got say- the first two rounds, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. During that uh, that five-game streak, you're right. I mean, it was all the turnover battle. South Carolina won that in every single game, basically. And, uh, you know, it was funny, 2009, 2010, those games both started kind of kind of interesting with 09. Spiller runs the kickoff back for the touchdown in 2010. Uh, I think they had like a 50-yard pass to open the game, and you guys definitely showed mental toughness and, you know, able to come back and kind of just turn the tide in those games. So uh, some games that South Carolina fans I know will never forget. Um you know, you talked about playing for Coach Spurrier earlier, obviously, how hard it can be with how he rotates quarterbacks and how hard he is on his quarterbacks. Um, talk about specifically, like, how difficult is it to learn his offense and what's the toughest part about, you know, learning the offense? It, you know, looking back, it's really not that complicated. I mean, I spent uh, two years in, in Montreal with uh, Coach Mark Tressman, who actually recruited me when he was at North Carolina State. And, I mean, if you want to talk about a complicated offense, his offense was – I think I want to say Connor was in Chicago when uh, when Tresman was there. Um, so Connor Connor Shaw would be able to answer that as well. I mean, his offense is he's like a mad scientist. That's what we call him in Montreal. I mean, the guy has he words out every single offensive play call. I mean, the whole deal. And so I'll give you an instance. So Coach Spurrier, going back to Coach Spurrier, it's, you know we'd have a trips formation to the to the field and a one guy into the uh, boundary. We'd call that uh, B trips right, and then we'd call it protection. Protection would be blue slide. And then the pass play, the route concept would be Wahoo, Steamer, Z. And that's all it is. So it's B-trips, right? Uh, blue slide, Wahoo, Steamer, Z. That's all it is. It's really not that complicated. It's all concepts. You know, you go up to Montreal and, you know, with Tressman's offense, it did be I, – I can't even explain. It was like reading freaking Chinese trying to decipher these plays. And so to answer your question, long, long-winded long uh, I, I am, but um, to answer your question, it really wasn't that complex at all. I'm glad you guys understood it because I'm officially confused. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured. I kind of, I kind of long-winded answer that one. No, no, I like it. I like it. Uh, wrapping up 2009, I've got to ask: How miserable was the Papa John's Bowl against UConn? Because I, I wasn't there, but I talked to some people that were, and obviously the game didn't go as everybody wanted to, and the weather too, everything. I mean, how miserable was that bowl game? I mean, it was absolutely miserable. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, I'm in Greenville right now, and it is cold as hell, and it is wet, and that's kind of how Birmingham was. Um, you know, we played against UConn, and, you know, UConn, everybody kind of, like, trashes it, but UConn ended up going to a BCS Bowl the, the following year. I mean, they were a damn good team, uh, and it was just so cold. And, you know, when, when Alshon starts dropping balls, that's when you know it's it's uh, it's pretty cold. And the, it's Yeah, not a, not a good time. And it was very frustrating being uh, being back there and – yeah, it sucked, man. It sucked. And we had the fans talking trash to us on the sideline. I mean, it just – it was just an overall bad way for the seniors to go out. And, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the, the interview after the game, but I kind of, like, broke down a little bit because I was just so pissed off at, you know, myself and the way that we played as an offense to have that, the you know, our seniors go out like that. It just – it really it really stung to – because I was really close with all those guys. And, you know, that was, that was, a, that was a terrible damn game, man. For sure. So moving into more positive note, obviously you used that, use that game in the offseason uh, for motivation to get better because obviously that followed up with 2010, which was, you know, your best year, the team's best year. Um, you threw for over 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, you know, won the SEC, you know, won a couple of big games we'll get to in a second. Um, talk about, though, from your freshman year being a freshman quarterback in 2008 to 
the SEC East champion quarterback 2010. Where do you think your biggest area of improvement as a quarterback in the end kind of came? I think I think it was just really the the camaraderie between the between the the, the teammates we had. I mean, I think the offensive line improved over those two years. Uh, the receiving core obviously improved. You know, we had. You know, we had a guy named Lattimore who came in and helped uh, helped us out with the run game and took a lot of pressure off uh, the offensive line and really took a lot of pressure off of me as well. Um, you know, it, it's 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 kind of weird because you know everybody talks about the Alabama game in the 2009 season, and you know that's that is the one game that's the only game that I can ever recall. Coach Spurrier looking at me in the eye and say, "Hey, Steven, look, man, just go out there and play your game, and just go out and have fun. You know, nobody expects us to win." So just go out there and have fun and just let, you know, let, let, let fate decide on what ends up happening. And, you know, obviously I had a pretty, pretty solid day. Um, but I just wish that he would have done that a lot more often and just kind of let me loose rather than restrain me. And because my, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very free spirited guy. I mean, I like, I like moving around. I like a little chaos and, you know, that's just, that's just how I, how I enjoy playing the game. And he, uh, he did not like that at all, <laughs> but no, absolutely. But t- but to answer your question, I think just the, the, the chemistry of the whole team and the talent level was definitely uh, improved upon in those two years. Yeah, you guys definitely looked loose that day. And uh, that 2010 season, I remember I was actually at the Southern Miss game to open the year. You guys pretty much dominated them. And then, um, you know, we're going to get to the Alabama game in a second because, of course, I got to ask you, you know, everybody does. But, you know, talk about Marcus Lattimore. You played with him, obviously, 2010. He came on the scene, had a huge game against Jordan. That's what everybody kind of knew. He's got the special uh, Obviously, just talking you saw today, he got put on as uh, player development. Uh, he's on the champ staff. Just talk about what he meant to you guys, not only on the field, as just a true freshman. Oh, I mean, he was huge. He's uh, he's always been one of. Uh, I mean, you can ask anybody on that entire team. Ask him, you know, who your favorite, one of your favorite teammates are, and they'll they'll tell you Lattimore. I mean. He uh he was always around. I mean he always came to our house. We would we had a pretty pretty good little setup at uh at my house. We had a pool back there, and you know we always we used to grill out. I always have the linemen over. You know Marcus would always show up, man. If we asked, I asked Marcus to come to anything, and he'd always be there. And he was uh always about the team, and always first guy in the gym. You know last guy to leave, and always always just wanted to do more. And you know it obviously worked out for him. And I think uh, I think he's going to be a huge monumental asset for uh for recruiting for South Carolina and not only recruiting, but, you know, he's a developmental guy. So he's going to help those guys off the field as well. And I, I think it's, I think that's a huge hire for them. So I don't know if you can hear me or not. It's starting to rain pretty good. Let me, uh, let me go back inside real quick. Oh, you're good. Yeah. I can hear you pretty well, but yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you with the Lattimore hire. I think it's going to be huge for uh, those guys off the field and recruiting as well, being able to sit down with the players and the families and stuff like that. Uh, so we'll, you know, we'll get to the Alabama game, obviously, you know, Kind of simply put, you know, I'll, I'll actually ask you. I've, I've heard a story. I, I'm not sure if you know uh, a buddy of mine, a friend of the show, actually, that played baseball at South Carolina, Forrest Kumis. Not sure if you're familiar with him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I know, I know Forrest. Yeah, yeah. He actually told me that week of the Alabama game, you guys went out on Thursday night, and he thought that's kind of what set the tone for the uh, the loose play on Saturday. Any is there any truth to that story or no? Uh, no, I like force, but there, and you know, everybody likes to, uh, likes to kind of BS and say that, yeah, man, Garcia, you know, before the Chick-fil-A bowl went out the night before to, I never did that. I mean, I, I went out, I, I used to go out like on Wednesday nights. I went to, uh, I'd go to Delaney's for the pint night. Um, but after, after Wednesday night, I mean, it was, it was all game mode. And so, and as far as I remember shit, man, I, I mean, <laughs> 
don't, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm, I was I was always pretty good about you know cutting it cutting it down on uh, after Wednesday nights. Yeah, Forrest is a good storyteller, so I'm not a I'm not surprised he he uh, <laughs> he, 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 he can tell a tale every now and then. Uh, but he, yeah, so a little the, embellishment. Yeah, yeah. So the actual game itself, though, we'll get to that. Talk about what what just clicked that day. Did you kind of wake up kind of knowing? Obviously, Coach Spurrier said, "Hey, go out there play loose." Is that one of those games? I mean. I think from a fan's perspective, you could say that game day sort of had a different feeling with it with college game day there, 3.30 kickoff. You could kind of feel something in the air. Um, did you as players kind of feel like wake up and be like, hey, I, you know, we're going to win this game today and just had 100% confidence or was it just like a loose, hey, let's just go out there and see what happens or just talk about the game and, and the, the day in general? Well, I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, there's there was not a Saturday that I didn't wake up saying that, you know, I'm going to throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns and we're going to beat the hell out of this team. I mean, I, that's just my personality. I mean, I, I never thought that we were going to lose ever. And obviously we did, we did lose, but you know, you, if you don't have that confidence going into a game, you're, you're already, you've already lost. I mean, there's just, there's no way around it. Uh, so especially at the quarterback position, you gotta, you gotta be confident no matter what the hell is happening around you. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, coach Spurrier just kind of his, his prep talk and you know, that was really the only time in, and you know, five years of being around the, with him in the in the program, it was it was the only time that I can recall that he was like, "Look, guys, I want you guys to just go out there, play loose, have fun, because it is a game after all. Go out there, have fun, and just see see what happens. You know, give fate a chance." Was his uh, was his kind of like war chant uh, throughout the entire week? He he goes, "Give fate a chance." So you know, was, I think it resonated with everybody, and you know, we started off uh, driving down the field and scoring right on that first drive, and after that, we we're just like, "Man, we can." We can play with these kids, and you know we, we we might end up beating their ass, and you know we ended up doing it, and you know the rest is history. It's I, I can't believe it that we're the last team from the SEC East to freaking beat Alabama. That's just it's mind boggling. Yeah, I, I wrote that article uh, a couple right right after the national championship because I saw that tweet like a couple of days before, and I was like, I'm surprised nobody's talking about that. And that that article got a ton of love, so it was uh it was just awesome to kind of throw that out there and be like, just hey, just a reminder, guys, just want to let you know who the last SEC quarterback was. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I kind of want to get into, like I talked about earlier, you know, you had a ton of off-the-field issues, as we know. I'm not going to go through everything that happened or whatever. But, you know, what I kind of want to ask you, do you feel like most of those things that happened were because of, you know, you being in the wrong place at the wrong time? Or do you think you can just attribute to being young and dumb? Or talk about kind of the trials and tribulations you went with while you were at Carolina. Man, to be, I mean, there's just a combination of everything. And number one is that – is that I was extremely hard-headed. Um, you know, just I didn't really listen very well, <laughs> to be just completely honest. Uh, you know, I thought I could get away with a lot of stuff and like, ah, nobody's going to care and this and that. Like, nobody notices this and this and that. And, you know, I was pretty naive because at the end of the day, I mean, I was just being a normal college kid, you know, at a university. And I just didn't know that, you know, it was the analogy like big fish, small pond. It's, I just I, I figured that was kind of stupid because I didn't see myself as a big fish in a small pond, I just figured myself as a damn fish, you know? Um, so was, I just did a lot of stupid things. And at the end of the day, I did some stuff that I, you know, shouldn't have done, but I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't getting in fights. I wasn't, you know, beating up girls. I wasn't raping girls. I mean, I wasn't doing anything like that. I was just having a good old, you know, collegiate time. And, you know, I wish that, uh, I wish I would have been a little bit smarter about it. Um, but at the end of the day, you live and learn and, there's nothing I can do about it now. And that, that's kind of my message going forward. I mean, I'm training quarterbacks now, and that's kind of my message for them. It's just like, you know, just just always remember that you're the quarterback, that people are going to be watching you, whether it's good or bad, and they're going to report it, whether it's good or bad. So just keep that in the back of your mind before you make decisions. 
Right. Absolutely. So, um, you know, you, you already kind of touched on it. Wanted to ask you about the Chick-fil-A bowl. There's tons of stories out there. I won't obviously ask you what happened because you kind of already addressed it, but are there any, you know, there were obviously a ton of, just ton of rumors floating around. And I think honestly, if you guys would have won the game, I don't think it would have been a story at all. I think it would have just complete non-issue. Uh, are there any rumors out there that you can just kind of, you know, dispel kind of that are just absolute like made up fabrications of what happened? Is there anything you've seen? I mean, like that is absolutely hundred percent made up or. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole, the whole uh, thing about me, you know, partying the night before is completely inaccurate. You know, as I told you, you know, a few minutes ago that, you know, I was pretty good about shutting everything down on Wednesday nights and, you know, getting after the game plan. And I mean, I, the thing is like what people don't understand is that I was always the first guy in the film room. I was always the first guy in the, in the gym, uh, first one to practice. I mean, I was always that guy and I was the last one to leave. You know, after practice, I'm having some of the walk on receivers stand and, you know, catch stationary routes. So um, that's, that's something that, you know, Coach Spur never talked about. And I didn't really ask anybody to talk about it. I, don't, I didn't care if anybody noticed it, but, you know, when people start kind of judging my, my, my want to and my drive and all that stuff, that's kind of when I get a little pissed off about it. Um, so, you know, I figured I needed to mention that. But, you know, it's the whole thing of like, yeah, your see was drunk, you know, during the game and he went out the night before. It's just that is completely inaccurate. Some of the other stories uh, may have some truth to them, but uh, that's that's for a later uh, that's for a later date. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. They were pretty hilarious because I remember reading those. And it's like, it's like Garcia was out drunk. It's like, no, he was in the hotel. And it's like, he had a girl with him, two girls. It's like, what? I mean, I thought it was hilarious personally, but, you know, whatever. Yes. I, I thought it was a pretty legendary story, something to sit around the campfire and talk about or something like that. Yeah, I've, I've had a few, uh, a few people actually recently, um, you know, kind of since the, the playing days are over, they said, hey, man, would you be interested in, you know, writing a book and kind of, you know, tell about, you know, your college experience and this and that. So I'm thinking about it. Um, so if I end up doing that, then, uh, then I'll, then I'll explain it in the book, but if not, then I'm going to start <laughs> letting, letting, the, letting the dispelling the rumors or clarifying them. <laughs> go to the grave with it. Right. Right. Um, so one, one that I do want to ask you about, and you can go into this as much or as little as you want, but one that I remember when it happened kind of just was one of those things is like a head scratcher, the SEC meeting in 2011. What, what happened at that in April? So it was a, it was an SEC sanctioned uh, deal. And uh, it was one of our linemen, Kyle Nunn, it was his birthday. So we ended up kind of celebrating his birthday. We uh, started drinking like crown and Coke or whatever. And it was a bunch of us. I mean, there was, there was, there was a bunch of the players or whatever. So, you know, we probably had like two or three freaking mixed drinks. I mean, it wasn't like a, a whole disaster, you know, sloppy type deal. Anyways, went to this thing. And as soon as we get in the, uh, the counselor or whoever, whoever was speaking was like, all right, guys, I want everybody to understand, like, this is a closed door meeting, whatever we say in here, whatever you're doing here, it is, it's, it's a, it's freedom of speech. You guys can say, do you know, do what you guys want to do. I mean, please be respectful to what I'm, you know, telling you and saying to you guys, but you know, so don't be acting like monkeys and animals and shit, but, you know, just, uh, just kind of just have, have some respect. So anyways, so he starts talking about like leadership and stuff like that. And I forgot what I ended up talking about. And this guy was like, every single thing that I was saying, he was just like, nope, 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 not, no, no, that's, that's not a good, that's not a valid point. Nope. That's not, that's not valid. I don't believe that's not accurate. That's not accurate. I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude, are you going to let me talk or, or I thought this was an open, open floor type deal. Once you, once you have the floor, uh, long story short, uh, he's like, Hey man, uh, you need to, you need to get out of here. 
So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll leave. And then uh, next thing you know, I get a call from Eric Hyman the next day. He's like, hey, uh, I got a complaint that the guy says that you were drunk and that you were causing a scene and this other stuff. I was like, I said, Mr. Hyman, you can ask anybody in that freaking meeting if I was causing a scene or if I, if I was being obnoxious. You can ask any single person. He's like, I don't need to ask anybody. My, my, he said my wife was in there. I was like, really? Well, that's, that's very interesting. So anyways, he, uh, he ended up having me sign this big, long, extensive contract about uh, taking a uh, alcohol and drug test every single week, a random one, um, how to graduate, how to pass all this other stuff. It was just, it was just so much stuff. I ended up doing it and I don't know. That's it's it's a long, freaking, exhausting story, man. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it just kind of sounds like. I mean, it sounds like there was kind of a target on your back. I mean, as far as maybe from what happened freshman year or whatever, but I mean, to kind of, I guess he kind of just assumed that you've been drinking, and you know, it sounds like he just went way overboard with the whole situation. I mean, it sounds like they were almost trying to pick on you, if you will. I mean, I wouldn't say that they were they were picking on me, but when the guys when the when the counselor said like, yeah, this is a closed door meetings, he, he asked he literally asked the coaches that were in their meetings like, yeah, coaches, I need you guys to get out. You know, I want this to be just the players only. So I assume that you know the floor was ours and that we could you know kind of talk about it and say what we felt was on our mind, and I uh, I did, and I guess what I said the guy didn't like, and so I don't know, man. It was it was just it was a bad deal overall, and you know it just. I don't know if you can tell it in my voice, but it, it pisses me off to just even thinking about it. <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely understand for sure. I mean, it's crazy. So we'll get back into football because 2011 obviously was a very eventful year for you. Um, I want to talk about going into the season, though, uh, going into the opener against East Carolina. Um, Coach Spurrier names Connor Shaw the starter against East Carolina. Did you feel that, you know, did you really feel that Shaw, you know, outperformed you in fall practice? Was Spurrier trying to send you a message? Was it something from the school that we didn't know about? Uh, just talk about that. Uh, I, I honestly have no idea. Um, you know, me and Connor are really good buddies. Um, you know, he was actually going to come out and meet uh, me and Taj, but he's obviously working with uh, with Furman now. I was texting with him back and forth. He's showing some uh, some recruits right now, showing around the the campus. But yeah, I mean, you can. I mean, you he'll tell you the same thing. I I don't think he outperformed me at all, uh, not even a little bit in in the in the camp and leading into the season. I think it was a message. Um, you know, and it, now it was pretty, pretty disheartening. You know, I'm, I'm a, reg, I'm a registered senior. We got, you know, a true sophomore going in there and, you know, taking the first snaps and it just, it really kind of upset me. And, uh, but anyway, I went in the, after the, uh, after the, I don't know if it was the first quarter or the, after the first half, um, and kind of went from there. Then, you know, the whole thing ended up happening towards, uh, after the Auburn loss. And it just, yeah, it was just a bad deal. Terrible, terrible ending to, you know, a very interesting career. <laughs> yeah, and it, I was going to say, too, what I forgot about in 2010 as well, you guys went on the road to uh, Auburn, and he, you know, Coach Spurrier took you out and put Connor Shaw in late in that football game. I think you had, like, a fumble or something, or we're trying to get a first down and uh, had a fumble. And, I mean, you can say what you want, but I kind of think that was sort of your playing style. Like you said, you're either all in or all out. And that was, another, that was another kind of head scratcher, you know, when Spurrier decided, you know, hey, we're going to throw Connor Shaw in there in this huge game on the road at Auburn against Cam Newton. It just, uh, that's what I'm, it's, I threw for three freaking touchdowns or whatever it was in like 350 yards. And in the fourth quarter, I'm trying to drive the drive down the field and get some, uh, some extra yards and I fumble. And he's like, all right, you're out. I'm like, dude, are you I said, all right, man, that's, you know, and that's just, like I said, like, you know, that's my personality, either all in or all out. And you gotta, I mean, it's, 
it was very, it was a very challenging thing. And, you know, playing for coach Spurrier and uh, looking back, I mean, it was, it was a, it was an experience of a lifetime, but, you know, I just wish it would have been different on, I wish I would have been a little bit less hard headed, but at the same time, I wish you would have worked with me a little bit more on, you know, knowing my personality. Yeah. And that situation, I was going to say actually uh, reminds me of 2013 when Connor Shaw was the starter and he was at Georgia and he actually fumbled late in that game too. Didn't get pulled, but, uh, I remember I mean, it was a costly, costly fumble. Uh, South Carolina, I forget the final score of that game, but lost on the road at Georgia. Um, just kind of, I don't know, kind of interesting how those two situations parallel, except you didn't get pulled. I don't know. Um, so, anyways, 2011 season, you know, off to a decent start. Obviously, you didn't start the East Carolina game, but you go on the road to Georgia, get a huge win in what was, you know, I think one of the classic games, definitely one of the classic South Carolina-Georgia games, if not one of the classic college football games in general. Um and then, obviously, like you said, I was actually at that Auburn game. You guys had a – I think it was like a 16-13 loss. Um, and then, you know, that following week, you get, get dismissed on the team, like on a Tuesday or something like that. Uh, talk about the game itself and then the dismissal. And then as far as you talked about your relationship with Eric Hyman, I don't think it's any secret it wasn't a very positive one. Do you think that he wanted you out and that was kind of – he felt like that was his opportunity to get you out of there? Was there some sort of vendetta he had against you – or, you know, did you, do you think he put you in a position to set up and fail? Or was it just all on you? I mean, talk about that a little bit. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's I, I can't point any fingers except for, you know, myself because, you know, I, I, I caused the whole sanctions. I caused the whole dismissal. I mean, at the, it, I can't really blame anybody. You know, it is what it is. Um, but like going back to uh, going back to, you know, the the random weekly uh, drug and alcohol testing and having to graduate um, having to do all these seminars and just everything, um, you know, after, uh, after I graduated, after I, uh, got reinstated, you know, I didn't get, I didn't get drug tested or, or I had to do it. I didn't have to do any, there was no requirements left on the, on that contract that I signed. And, uh, so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm back on, I'm back on campus. I'm freaking 20, I guess I was 23 at the time. And I was like, all right, well, I guess, you know, since I'm a legal adult, I can have a freaking beer, uh, after a game or whenever the hell I want. And, um, so they didn't do any of that. And then after we lost to um, after we lost to Auburn, you know, that same week, my uh, my grandfather died. And, you know, I was extremely close with him. And there was just a lot of a lot of negative stuff going on. And then, you know, we end up losing to Auburn. So and then uh, he benches me and puts in Connor. And, you know, Connor had a hell of a game against Kentucky. And I think that's uh, and I was very proud of him. And I was happy as hell. I was the happiest guy in freaking Columbia. For Connor, because you know he he works his ass off, man. You can say what you want. He 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 uh, he definitely busts his ass when he's in when he's in that gym and in uniform. For sure. Um, but yeah, so after that, you know, he calls me in the office. He's like, "Yeah, you have a uh, you got a uh, you got a test in the morning, so you need to be here." I know he called me that morning. He was like, "Yeah, you need you have a test in you know thirty minutes. You need to be here." And you know, after the Kentucky game, I was like, "Ah, shit. All right. I mean, you know, we obviously had a party or whatever." So. Uh, celebrating the win and you know so I went in there to the test and called me back the next uh, like two or three days later I was like yeah you got your results you failed you're done you're off the team you're dismissed so uh, I, had, I had some very unpleasant words to say in that meeting room after uh, after he told me that um, then I called my parents told them what happened they came up to uh, Columbia helped me move and I was gone within two days I you know went and said goodbye to my professors and uh a couple of people that I felt like I needed to say goodbye to. And, and that was the end of it, man. It was very anticlimactic and very, uh, very disheartening. Right. Right. For sure. So, um, 
you know, obviously you went undrafted 2012, had a short stint in the CFL um, in arena football. I, you know, talk about, do you think you can still play pro football? Is that something you're kind of, I know you're obviously working with QB1 athletics with Barry Orth, which we're going to get to in a second. But, I mean, do you do you still aspire to play at the pro level? Is that something you're kind of working and training towards? Or It's uh, it's it's funny, man. I get, I get contract offers to go to Germany, to go back to the CFL, um, go to the Arena League. I mean, I just got an offer the other day to go up to Boston for their new uh, Arena League team. And um, it's just, it's, I just don't know if it's worth it, man. You know, I, I, I want to do it just because I, I feel like I definitely can. And I want I'd like to give it like one more legit shot, but at the same time, it's just not worth it for me financially to, to do that. Um, you know, I, I freaking love saltwater. I love Tampa. That's why it's hard for me to, to move, you know, right. back up here or, or anywhere for that matter. Um, so I, you know, to answer your question, I don't know. I mean, this, this team in Boston is, is talking some pretty interesting numbers. So, I mean, I may just give it one more shot, just, to say to hell with it and see what ends up happening. Um, but I, you know, I just don't know. But I, the main reason I'm training guys is because I want them to have kind of the same opportunities that I had, um, you know, going from college or go from high school to college and, you know, getting a chance to, to play in front of a lot of people and, and, you know, get a free education because that's what it's all about. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, your, what's your craziest five point story if you have one? Oh, man. <laughs> craziest five point story there's i mean there's plenty of them every night uh, five points is a crazy story i feel like <laughs> yeah yeah there's no shortage of them i do remember there was a we were walking down this is my red or i think it was my freshman year my my yeah my actual freshman year just got on campus and i was hanging out with some of the older players and we're walking through five points and all of a sudden we see this freaking like frat kids start like slapping and kind of like pushing this i don't know if it was a girlfriend or if it was just a girl or i don't know who it was but he started like kind of like assaulting her or whatever so we kind of walked into her and I gave this guy a freaking monster chest bump and uh he kind of turns around and starts pushing me a little bit and it was like freaking hyenas on a chicken man we we <laughs> took his ass down pretty uh pretty quickly we we're like man you can't be you just that's that's one of coach Spurrier's rules that's one of that's one of my biggest rules is you, you don't put your hands on a girl man it's no matter no matter what the hell happens no matter what she's doing you you can't put a hands on a female it's just it's not something you do absolutely no 100 percent yeah, and took his girlfriend and shotgun to beer and went home, right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> so talk about uh, another, um, again, uh, friend, again, great friend of mine, great friend of the show, Forrest Coombe, has talked about, uh, he said, ask Stephen about uh, Sundays at Garcia. Is any any reality, any truth to that? Sunday at Garcia? Sundays at Garcia is at the pool. He said you guys would have a lot of parties on, like, uh, yeah, you're good. You're good. So no, I was just saying, uh, it sounded like you guys had some parties on like Sundays with the pool and the grill. And uh, he talked about, he actually went over there a couple times. Any truth to that? Did you guys kind of throw down on Sundays or was that like a no, no day for you guys? No, that was, that was our, uh, so we had, um, we had Sundays off after games. So our big thing, and I learned this, my two older brothers played at, um, played football at Harvard. So, we used to go to their games all the time and, you know, we'd see them on uh, like, you know, Sunday night or whatever, and they'd just be in struggle mode. And they said, yeah, it's uh, you know, Sunday fun day. That's, that's what, uh, that's what the thing was. It's Sunday fun day, you know? So yes, there's, there's definitely truth to that. We would have, we would have some pretty, uh, pretty large parties at our, uh, at our residential house uh, that our neighbors were not overly fond of. <laughs> Absolutely. So 
Yeah, I want to get into you talked about it a little bit. QB1 Athletics, you're obviously working with um, Barry Orth with that, another friend of the show. Um, talk about, I just want you to kind of talk about what you're doing, kind of who, the kids you're working with, kind of what your message is, uh, what, you know, ages of quarterbacks you're working with, and sort of, you know, what, what the goal is of the QB1 Athletics program you guys are running. Well, I mean, I think our main thing right now is, you know, we just want to get these kids um, an opportunity to, to do what we did. You know, Perry took a different route. Uh, you know, he obviously, he walked on and ended up uh, getting a scholarship and getting a chance to, uh, to start. I mean, that's, 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 a, diff, that's a, a route that I think many kids are afraid of taking. And, you know, so he definitely plays that role. And, you know, I had a different role. I mean, I was highly recruited. I could have gone anywhere and, you know, made some mistakes and, you know, this and that. So, I mean, there's, there's the way that we work together. I think our relationship and our, our, our histories definitely bounce off each other. And I mean, it's, it's, I think it's the best of both worlds, man. I'm telling you, if I was a kid, I tell, I tell him all this, all this, all the time. I was like, look, man, if I was a kid in high school or middle school or elementary, I mean, if I want to train with somebody, I'm training with us because we actually played the game at a high level. Um, you worked your ass off to go from a freaking grocery kid at Publix to being a starter in the SEC for, you know, several games, uh, almost, I think, an entire season. You know, um, I got highly recruited out of high school and, you know, got a chance to play, you know, pretty early and played often. Um, so, I mean, it's I, I, the, the amount of knowledge that we have um, from both sides of the spectrum are just immense. And I think that uh, I think that these kids and I think especially the parents see the value in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Perry's a great dude. Like I said, we were able to talk to him. He's an absolutely awesome dude. So, um Really great what you guys are doing as well. Uh, I know you guys, I, I, I guess not you two specifically, because I tweeted at you about the carry on joiner kind of worked out with you guys a little bit. He's going to be a part of uh, Will Muschamp, sort of what he's building with Gamecock football. Talk about you got to, um, you know, see South Carolina practice down in Tampa before the Outback Bowl. Got to work with Jake Bentley a little bit, talk with him. Um, talk about sort of what your impression or uh, impression is of the program right now, how you feel about. You know, obviously, South Carolina got a huge Outback Bowl win against Michigan after kind of starting slow. Uh, Jake was able to put some good throws together and everything. Talk about, you know, your thoughts on kind of the program moving forward. Obviously, Brian McClendon was named OC. Dan Werner, who I'm sure is a guy you're probably familiar with, uh, named the quarterback's coach. He's been around for a while. Um, just talk about the trajectory you see of the program in 2018 and kind of what your uh, what your thoughts are for them going forward. You know, I think uh, I think we're going to be legit, man. I really do. Um Got a chance to talk uh, to, with Muschamp pretty extensively, you know, on and off the field uh, while, his, while he was down in, uh, in Tampa for the Outback Bowl. And, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan. If I wasn't a fan before, I'm a huge fan now. I've always been a fan of him. But he just cemented, uh, you know, what I thought about him. And, uh, you know, he works his balls off. There's no question about it. He, uh, he, he demands that his assistants work their ass off as well. And, you know, I think uh, I think the future is definitely bright. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, like you said, Dan Warner was actually the first uh, my first offer when he was in Miami. He came down to Jefferson and in in uh, Tampa and he's like, yeah, we're going to offer you a, you know, a full ride. And I was I was a freshman at the time. And I was like, holy hell, like Miami. Are you kidding me? That's big time stuff. So, I mean, it was it was pretty cool. And we've always had a. Uh, I think uh, I think he's going to do you know wonders for uh, for Jake and, and for the offense in general. Yeah, no, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. So um, with that being said, got just a couple of quick hitter questions. Nothing you got to go too deep into. Just some short, short questions. I'll ask you and then we'll get you out of here. Like I said, you got to probably uh, pack schedule today, but some quick hitter questions. So we'll go through these. Uh, favorite beer? Like a like a type or like an actual just beer? Just like actual beer, like your go-to. 
Man, anything, anything uh, IPA. I'm a big IPA guy. IPA, perfect. Uh, best Spurrier impression you've ever heard? <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I don't know, man. I, there's been you so many of them. Like, too, right? you, can you do a little Spurrier right now? Oh, man, it's it's tough. It's, ah, shit, shit, shit. You know, he just kind of mumbles around. I mean, it's, it's hard to do just on the spot. This, you got to. He's this, that, and the other. <laughs> yeah, this, that, and the other. Yeah, just kind of just cuts you off mid-sentence. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's him for sure. <laughs> All right, favorite NFL quarterback? Uh, that's a no-brainer. That's Tom Brady. All right, uh, best five points, Bart? Oh, man, it's. You got to go with my go-to, man. Village idiot. You know, I, that's that's my go-to. All right. Best defensive back you ever faced? Defensive back? Mm, that, like, just best. Like, was there, like, a one-on-one matchup? Like, you guys knew of a defensive back coming in the game. Like, that's a guy we got to watch out for. No. I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't care less who was out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, loudest stadium you ever played in? Man, I, I'll tell you, I think Williams Bryce uh, that Ole Miss game was freaking deafening. I mean, that's that's First the loudest I've, I've ever heard. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. I, I think that's the loudest uh, I've ever heard of stadium. All right, worst road fans. Ooh, you know, I wasn't. Uh, Georgia fans were pretty pretty nasty. Um, Arkansas fans were definitely nasty, but they were funny as hell. Nice. I wouldn't expect Arkansas. I mean, Georgia fans are brutal for sure. Um, yeah, Arkansas is hilarious. Favorite? Do you, do you have an individual like favorite play in your South Carolina career? Uh, I do. Um, it was a uh, slot formation, so it was a uh, one one receiver to the uh, boundary and two receivers to the field with a uh, with an eye formation. It was a um, we call it slot right blue draw two uh, deep pattern uh, seven or deep seven semi. And I actually threw a touchdown of this on uh, against Vanderbilt to uh, Alshon. He was in the slot and ran a deep. Uh, we call it like a deep. It was a seven semi. It was a deep uh, over. And uh, I threw it. It was probably about a thirty-five or forty-yard throw, and I threw it like on a freaking line, um, right in front of the, or right like across the safety, and he caught it, went in for a touchdown. And uh, yeah, that was probably my favorite, my favorite play of the uh, of the whole. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to say I-formation. I feel like that's, like, ancient nowadays with the spread. Yeah, exactly. No, it definitely is. <laughs> okay. Um, favorite movie? <sighs> Damn, man. <laughs> the, the tough questions, the ones that matter. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mean, favorite movie. I, I don't, I, there's so many of them. I don't really know. I mean, it depends on the kind of mood, man. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll I think if I'm watching matters. comedy, I, I think you got to go Dumb and Dumber if you're watching a comedy. There you go. Dumb and I like that one. That's a good one. All right, last one. Best non best non football related memory at South Carolina. Ooh, uh, definitely, definitely my house at uh, after the <laughs> you know the Sunday the Sunday fun days uh, after games, um, or coming back from class and having uh, having some girls in your swimming pool, uh, just drinking some wine and, and hanging out. <laughs> awesome that's a good uh, good thought to end it on so we're gonna wrap it up steven again you know we appreciate you coming on it's an absolute pleasure to have you um tell everybody where they can find you specifically and also you know where they can find qb1 athletics in case they're interested or somebody else that might be interested in getting their kid involved all right so uh twitter is at steven garcia and then instagram is um at steven underscore garcia the number five uh you know, that's pretty much it. And then obviously QB1athletics.com is, uh, is Perry's 
uh, business up here in, in, in South Carolina, specifically in, in Columbia. But he goes into Charleston. He goes into Greenville. You know, I'm actually in Greenville now. I come up here once a month, uh, do a little uh, training up here. Uh, me and Perry are going to be running some camps in Columbia, Charleston, Greenville, and also Myrtle Beach this summer. And we're also going to have a quarterback challenge in Columbia, probably at the indoor facility, um, looking like the summer as well. So we are, we got some, some big things in the works, and we're definitely looking forward to it. Awesome. Like you, like you said, folks, make sure to go out, check everything out. Uh, check out Steven Garcia on social media and QB1 Athletics doing big things there. Um, again, we're the Spurs Up show. Download, rate, subscribe, and share the show. I that you're at, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast and follow us on all social media fronts as well. So, uh, Stephen, again, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, for Chris, he's Stephen Garcia. This has been the Spurs Up show. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you, man. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.